It's March 25th, and it's good to be with you today as we read through the Bible together and take some time to reflect upon what we read. This is the One Year Bible Tour, and my name is David McAdam. It is a privilege to serve as your tour guide and to point out what should not be missed, sightings of our great Deliverer, both in the shadows of the Old Testament and the substance in the New Testament. As we have been reading through the beginning chapters of both the Old and the New Testaments, we're laying hold of the overarching self-revelation of God as both our Creator and Redeemer. We are in the last of the five books of Moses today, the book of Deuteronomy. The word Deuteronomy means second giving of the law. Moses is clarifying God's vision for righteousness, and he is putting it before the next generation as they prepare to go into the promised land to possess it. The law of God makes it clear that we are all sinners in need of a Savior. Jesus said that the physician doesn't come for those that are well, but for those who recognize that they need a cure. And so the law shows us that we do need a cure. In the Old Testament, the promise of salvation has already been given. In the New Testament, we see how clearly that promise is fulfilled in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. So let's turn to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 4 today. And we are going to start with verse 1 as Moses commands obedience. And now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the rules that I am teaching you, and do them, that you may live and go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. You shall not add to the word that I command you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did at Baal Peor, for the Lord your God destroyed from among you all the men who followed the Baal of Peor. But you who held fast to the Lord your God are all alive today. See, I have taught you statutes and rules, as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do them in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. Keep them and do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples, who, when they hear all these statutes, will say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon Him? And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you today? Only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children, how on the day that you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, the Lord said to me, Gather the people to me, that I may let them hear my words, so that they may learn to fear me all the days that they live on the earth, and that they may teach their children so. And you came near and stood at the foot of the mountain, while the mountain burned with fire to the heart of heaven, wrapped in darkness, cloud, and gloom. Then the Lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire, you heard the sound of words, but saw no form. There was only a voice. And he declared to you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform, that is, the Ten Commandments, and he wrote them on two tablets of stone. And the Lord commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and rules, that you might do them in the land that you are going over to possess. Therefore, watch yourselves very carefully, 
since you saw no form on the day that the Lord spoke to you at Horeb out of the midst of the fire, beware lest you act corruptly by making a carved image for yourselves in the form of any figure, the likeness of male or female, the likeness of any animal that is on the earth, the likeness of any winged bird that flies in the air, the likeness of anything that creeps on the ground, the likeness of any fish that is in the water under the earth. And beware lest you raise your eyes to heaven, and when you see the sun and the moon and the stars, all the hosts of heaven, you be drawn away and bow down to them and serve them, things that the Lord your God has allotted to all the peoples under the whole heaven. But the Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace, out of Egypt, to be a people of his own inheritance, as you are this day. Furthermore, the Lord was angry with me because of you, and he swore that I should not cross the Jordan and that I should not enter the good land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance. For I must die in this land. I must not go over the Jordan, but you shall go over and take possession of that good land. Take care, lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you, and make a carved image, the form of anything that the Lord your God has forbidden you. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. When you father children and children's children, and have grown old in the land, if you act corruptly by making a carved image in the form of anything, and by doing what is evil in the sight of the Lord your God, so as to provoke him to anger, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today, that you will soon utterly perish from the land that you are going over the Jordan to possess. You will not live long in it, but will be utterly destroyed, and the Lord will scatter you among the peoples, and you will be left few in number among the nations where the Lord will drive you. And there you will serve gods of wood and stone, the work of human hands, that neither see nor hear nor eat nor smell. For from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him, if you search after him with all your heart and with all your soul. When you are in tribulation, and all these things come upon you in the latter days, you will return to the Lord your God and obey his voice. For the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not leave you, or destroy you, or forget the covenant with your fathers that he swore to them. For ask now of the days that are past, which were before you, since the day that God created man on the earth, and ask from one end of heaven to the other, whether such a great thing as this has ever happened or was ever heard of. Did any people ever hear the voice of a God speaking out of the midst of the fire, as you have heard, and still live? Or has any God ever attempted to go over and take a nation for himself from the midst of another nation, by trials, by signs, by wonders, and by war, by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, and by great deeds of terror, all of which the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes? To you it was shown that you might know that the Lord is God, and there is no other besides him. Out of heaven he let you hear his voice, that he might discipline you. And on earth he let you see his great fire, and you heard his words out of the midst of the fire. And because he loved your fathers and chose their offspring after them, and brought you out of Egypt with his own presence, by his great power, driving out before you nations greater and mightier than you, to bring you in, to give you their land for an inheritance, as it is this day. Know therefore today, and lay it to your heart, that the Lord is God in heaven above, 
and on the earth beneath there is no other. Therefore you shall keep his statutes and his commandments, which I command you today, that it may go well with you and with your children after you, and that you may prolong your days in the land that the Lord your God is giving you for all time. The Cities of Refuge Then Moses set apart three cities in the east beyond the Jordan, that the manslayer might flee there. Anyone who kills his neighbor unintentionally, without being at enmity with him in time past, he may flee to one of these cities and save his life. Bezer in the wilderness on the tableland for the Reubenites, Ramoth and Gilead for the Gadites, and Golan in Bashan for the Manassites. Introduction to the Law This is the law that Moses set before the people of Israel. These are the testimonies, the statutes, and the rules which Moses spoke to the people of Israel when they came out of Egypt, beyond the Jordan in the valley opposite Beth Peor, in the land of Sihon, the king of the Amorites, who lived at Heshbon, whom Moses and the people of Israel defeated when they came out of Egypt. And they took possession of his land, and the land of Og, the king of Bashan, the two kings of the Amorites, who lived to the east beyond the Jordan, from Aroer, which is on the edge of the valley of the Arnon, as far as Mount Sirion, that is, Hermon, together with all the Arabah on the east side of the Jordan, as far as the Sea of the Arabah, under the slopes of Pisgah. This concludes our reading from the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. Now let's take a few moments to reflect. What we have been reading is the conclusion of Moses' opening speech, with the injunction to remember the privileges of God's grace in their history. God had pledged himself to be in a covenant relationship with them. He would be their God, and they would be his people. He heard their cry and delivered them from their bondage. He called them to be a royal priesthood and a holy nation. Their failures were matched with his discipline and promise. Because of his love for them, he would teach them of his holiness, and through them create the infrastructure for his plan of salvation that would be a blessing to all the nations. This is a key theme in the book of Deuteronomy. The word remember. They were to remember the privileges of God's grace. They were to remember his deliverance and his discipline. They were to remember his proven faithfulness to his promise. Israel's history is a divine one and thereby unique among all the nations. Its history is inexplicable without reference to the God of glory, Yahweh, who called Abram, promising him a seed and a land. This foreshadows the promise of the king and the kingdom, the Messiah as the promised seed, and a holy place, a land that will be filled with the light of the holiest of all. The scope of these promises continues to enlarge as history unfolds. The seed of the woman that crushes the serpent's head destroys the work of the devil, that is sin, and defeats the enemy of death is also the seed of Abraham that will bless all the nations of the earth with his gospel. The little tabernacle in the wilderness will enlarge into a larger temple. The seed will come as the lamb and priest. The veil will be torn as he makes way for his people to enter the true tabernacle of fellowship in the holiest of all. The light of his glory will spread to include the court of the Gentiles, thus birthing a new temple, the church. The church as a habitation for God by the Holy Spirit will be the expression of the body of Christ on the earth. It will function as the people of the new covenant, manifesting the fullness of him that fills all in all. 
At the consummation of the age, the head of the church, Jesus Christ, will return as judge and king, appearing a second time for salvation without reference to sin to those who eagerly await for him. And the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of his glory as the waters cover the sea. Behold, he makes all things new. So we are to remember the uniqueness of Israel as a testimony to the existence of God. Moses challenges his hearers to consider three important questions. Indeed, ask now concerning the former days which were before you, since the day that God created man on the earth, and inquire from one end of the heavens to the other. Number one, has anything been done like this great thing, or has anything been heard like it? Number two, has any people heard the voice of God speaking from the midst of the fire as you have heard it and survived? Number three, or has God tried to go to take for himself a nation from within another nation by trials, by signs and wonders and by war and by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm and by great terrors as the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes? The answers to these three questions remain the same throughout human history. No. I remember the story of a former atheist who was asked the question, how did you come to believe in the existence of God? He gave an answer in one word, Israel. Let us not forget the uniqueness of God's dealing with Israel. We are to remember the privilege of God's self-revelation. To you it was shown that you might know that the Lord, He is God. There is no other besides Him. Out of the heavens He let you hear His voice to discipline you. And on earth he let you see his great fire, and you heard his words from the midst of the fire. Because he loved your fathers, therefore he chose their descendants after them, and he personally brought you out from Egypt by his great power, driving out from before you the nations greater and mightier than you, and to bring you in and to give you their land for an inheritance as it is today. Know therefore today, and take it to your heart, that the Lord, He is God, in heaven above and on the earth below, there is no other. We are told not to forget His law. The truth is that we do forget. This is not just a weakness of the mind, it is the propensity of the heart. It is the result of sin, and it is a wrong done to God. Memory is a non-moral faculty of the soul. There is a consciousness that will outlive the data machine, the gray matter of the brain that will be buried with our bodies. The spiritual memory must be trained, exercised, and used. One of the greatest forces for good is to discipline ourselves to keep certain facts in mind. Some things are worth forgetting. Others we must not fail to remember. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23. In His mercy, God calls us to remember Him. The book of Deuteronomy, the second law, is a repetition of the first law and a renewing of Israel's initial covenant commitment. We need to continually revisit the Word of God by hearing it, reading it, studying it, memorizing it, meditating upon it, and celebrating it with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, and vigorous discussion. So watch yourselves, lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which He made with you, and make for yourselves a graven image in the form of anything against which the Lord your God has commanded you. Deuteronomy 4, verse 23. Moses reminds the Israelites that central to their history is God's self-revelation. He is holy. This means that all His attributes are in a category of perfection all its own. He is all-powerful, all-knowing, and everywhere present. He is invisible, 
No visible form has been granted to them in his communication, even in the fire and in the burning bush. We are later exhorted by the Apostle Paul in the New Testament not to know Jesus, God incarnate, after the flesh, as if he were anything less than the infinite Creator God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14-16 to 16. We are not to make for ourselves any idols. We are to delight in Him, the Creator, above all creation. We are to honor His power above all powers, and no created thing should hold any power over us. The speech transitions to the second articulation of the law. Deuteronomy 4, verse 40, So you shall keep His statutes and His commandments which I am giving you today, that it may go well with you and your children after you, and that you may live long on the land which the Lord your God is giving you for all time. Let's take a moment to examine the names of three of the six cities of refuge. Moses introduces the law in verse 44, but before he does, he appoints the three cities of refuge that will be on the east side of the Jordan, the side on which they are currently camping. Remember that these cities point to the refuge we have in Christ. The first city, Bezer, meaning fortress. Remember the words of Martin Luther's hymn, A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. That hymn was based on Psalm 46, verse 7 and 11. The second city was Ramoth, meaning exaltation. Christ became lower than the angels that he might be exalted and lift us up to a position above the angels. As our mediator, he is seated at the right hand of the Father and we share this position as those who are seated together in heavenly places in him. The third city, Golan. It means joy. He is our exceeding joy. Jesus is the joy of Yahweh. In Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. In His presence is the fullness of joy. Psalm 16, verse 11. When we are accused by the law, let us flee to Him who is our refuge, our fortress, whose blood pleads that our sin has been paid for on high, where He, our advocate, is exalted on our behalf. He who is our joy has made us sit together in the heavenly places where we are forever safe in Him. Let us also take to heart Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 2, which I will summarize. Don't edit the word, just do it. You shall not add to the word that I command you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you. Now let's go to our New Testament reading. Luke chapter 6, verses 39 into chapter 7, verse 10. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye. You hypocrite! First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. A tree and its fruit. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces good, and the evil person, out of his evil treasure, produces evil, for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. Build your house on the rock. 
Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house, who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it, because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Chapter 7 Jesus Heals a Centurion's Servant After he had finished all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Now a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death, who was highly valued by him. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation, and he is the one who built us our synagogue. And Jesus went with them. When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore I did not presume to come to you. But say the word, and let my servant be healed. For I too am a man set under authority, with soldiers under me. And I say to one, Go, and he goes, and to another, Come, and he comes, and to my servant, Do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, and turning to the crowd that followed him, said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. And with that good news, we conclude our reading from the New Testament. Jesus includes seven illustrations of hypocrisy in the Sermon on the Mount. The word hypocrite means a person who pretends to be someone or something he is not. In Greek dramas, the actors wore large expressive masks that could be seen clearly at a distance. It is a compound word to describe an actor who is hupo, meaning underneath, and a krities, a mask, or assumed character. These are the seven descriptions of a hypocrite that Jesus gives in his sermon. First, verse 39, a blind man wearing a mask, portraying a character who has perfect vision. When the blind lead the blind, both fall into the ditch. Hypocrites are those who assume positions of leadership without the eyes of their heart's understanding being enlightened by Christ. Number 2, verse 40. A student wearing the mask portraying that he is the teacher. He assumes superiority over his teachers. He puts himself above the teacher, but is not prepared to function and suffer as a teacher. True disciples are teachable. Number 3, in verses 41 and 42. A man with a beam in his eye who pretends to be an eye doctor. These are those who point out the faults of others while neglecting the fact that their perceptions are affected by their own faults to which they are blinded. The fourth illustration of a hypocrite is found in verses 43 through 45, a thorn bush that pretends to be a fig tree. Trees bring forth fruit true to their own nature. A tree that professes to have a new nature that is a good heart yet produces bad fruit is a pretender. The fifth illustration of hypocrisy is found in verse 45, a person who professes to have good treasure but brings forth evil treasure. 
The parable of the treasures of the heart is another illustration of the fact that what is in our heart and what our heart treasures most will be revealed by our behavior and speech. The sixth illustration of a hypocrite is in verse 46, someone who says, Lord, Lord, yet does not do what Jesus says. The seventh and final illustration of hypocrite is found in verses 47 to 49, a foolish man, professing to be wise, who builds his house upon the sand. Jesus concludes the Sermon on the Mount by saying, those who hear him will go to whatever length necessary. They will dig deep in order to Number one, come to him. Number two, hear his words. And number three, act on them. That is, repent of their sin and believe on him. Those who do so will find salvation through every storm, including the great tsunami of the final judgment, the torrent, in verse 48. Those who don't come to him, don't hear his words, and don't act on them, though they may pretend to do so, shall experience immediate collapse at the judgment and great ruin. Next we read about the centurion. There is only one man that Jesus is ever said to have marveled at. He was not Abraham, Joseph, Daniel, Moses, or David. He was not one of his disciples. In fact, he wasn't even from Israel. Jesus had taught about loving your enemy. The enemies of the Jews were Romans. Now, after completing his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus heads to Capernaum to be greeted by some Jewish elders who brought the report of a Roman centurion whose beloved slave was sick and about to die. The elders said that this Roman centurion was unique. He loved the Jews and built a synagogue for them. He loved his slave and would not leave his side. He knew Jesus could help. When Jesus was not far from the house, friends of the centurion came to Jesus with this message, Lord, do not trouble yourself further, for I am not worthy for you to come under my roof. For this reason, I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But just say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, Go, and he goes. And to another, Come, and he comes. And to my slave, Do this, and he does it. Luke 7, verses 6-8 through Jesus, according to Luke, marveled at him. He had not even seen the Roman centurion, but he was already struck by his written testimony. The centurion understood who Jesus was. He understood his authority and was humbly submitting to it. Jesus marveled at him. Both Luke and Matthew used the Greek word for amazement, thaumazo. The only other time that it is used to describe a response of Jesus is in Mark chapter 6, when Jesus is amazed at the unbelief of those in his hometown of Nazareth. Mark chapter 6, verse 6. How unlikely it was that this man would get this response from the Son of God. He was a Gentile, with most likely a pagan upbringing. He was a Roman, stationed in Palestine. He was subject to the emperor, who was worshipped by the Romans as God. He was a man of war. Centurions had to distinguish themselves in their fighting skills. He had a knowledge of human authority, and the Holy Spirit caused him to recognize divine authority. By a miracle of grace, God had opened his heart and given him faith to submit himself to Christ. Jesus not only performed miracles, he watched miracles. He responds with rejoicing when he recognizes the miracle of the Father giving people the revelation of who he is. Luke chapter 10, verse 21. He honors the Father when people confess that Jesus is the Christ. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Jesus recognizes what is behind the mask of our lives. He looks beyond the Roman garb and sees the heart of a true believer in the God of Abraham. 
He does not look upon the outward man, but looks upon the heart. He recognizes true humility, faith, hope, and love that only a miracle of grace can place there. May the quality of our response to Christ bring Him delight today. And now our reading from the book of Psalms, Psalm 68, the first 18 verses. To the choir master, a psalm of David, a song. God shall arise, His enemies shall be scattered, and those who hate Him shall flee before Him. As smoke is driven away, so you shall drive them away. As wax melts before fire, so the wicked shall perish before God. But the righteous shall be glad, they shall exult before God, they shall be jubilant with joy. Sing to God, sing praises to His name, lift up a song to Him who rides through the deserts. His name is the Lord, exult before Him. Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in His holy habitation. God settles the solitary in a home. He leads out the prisoners to prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a parched land. O God, when you went out before your people, when you marched through the wilderness, the earth quaked, the heavens poured down rain, before God, the one of Sinai, before God, the God of Israel. Rain in abundance, O God, you shed abroad. You restored your inheritance as it languished. Your flock found a dwelling in it. In your goodness, O God, you provided for the needy. The Lord gives the word. The women who announce the news are a great host. The kings of the armies, they flee, they flee. The women at home divide the spoil. Though you men lie among the sheepfolds, the wings of a dove covered with silver, its pinions with shimmering gold. When the Almighty scatters kings there, let snow fall on Zalmon. O mountain of God, mountain of Bashan, O many-peaked mountain, mountain of Bashan, why do you look with hatred, O many-peaked mountain? At the mount that God desired for his abode, yes, where the Lord will dwell forever? The chariots of God are twice ten thousand, thousands upon thousands. The Lord is among them. Sinai is now in the sanctuary. You ascended on high, leading a host of captives in your train, and receiving gifts among men, even among the rebellious, that the Lord God may dwell there. And we stop with verse 18, and we'll pick up the rest of the psalm tomorrow. How excited the choir director must have been to have received this psalm from David. The righteousness of God is to be praised. A person is made right with God by God's righteous work alone. This reconciliation is provided through Jesus Christ's once and for all sacrifice. On the ground of His perfect work of redemption, we who were by nature God-haters and enemies, fit for destruction, are now rejoicing with gladness. It is by grace we are saved. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. In Psalm 68, verse 3, we read, But let the righteous be glad. Let them exult before God. Yes, let them rejoice with gladness. Sing to God. Sing praises to His name. Lift up a song for Him who rides through the deserts, whose name is the Lord, and exult before Him. Let God arise. That was the cry of Moses as the children of Israel broke camp and set out to follow the cloud by day and the fire by night. He was their protector. Let His enemies be scattered. These were the words that were to be declared whenever they set out in the wilderness. Numbers chapter 10 verse 35 reads, Then it came about when the ark set out that Moses said, Rise up, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered, and let those who hate you flee before you. Jesus, as the last Adam, in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 45, and the greater Israel, went through the deserts of human temptations without sin. 
He is the Lord our righteousness. Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 6, and Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 16. The song continues with a description of God's character. In verse 5, a father to the fatherless and a judge for the widows is God in his holy habitation. God makes a home for the lonely. He leads out the prisoners into prosperity. Only the rebellious dwell in a parched land. God's character was proved during Israel's wilderness journeys. In verse 18, You have ascended on high. You have led captive your captives. You have received gifts among men, even among the rebellious, that the Lord God also may dwell there. God's redeeming work is accomplished through Christ, the holiest of all. He receives the verdict of perfection as he ascends before the government of God, the mountain of God, to be crowned as the Redeemer King, the Son of Man. The rewards of his victory are freely dispersed among those whom he has redeemed, even the rebellious. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7-10, through 10, the Apostle Paul sees the crowning ascension of Jesus Christ triggering the giving of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost with his gifts given to the church as a fulfillment of Psalm 68, 18. Paul quotes this psalm in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, When he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also had descended into the lower parts of the earth, that is the incarnation? He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above the heavens, that's the ascension of the victor, so that he might fill all things. A tradition at the coronation of monarchs, such as the coronation of Queen Elizabeth II of the United Kingdom, is that gifts would be distributed among all the subjects, whether or not they were deserving of them. And so God distributed gifts to the church at the coronation of his son. Ephesians 4.11 And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ. The women who came to anoint his body at the tomb discovered that Jesus was raised from the dead according to his word. They were commissioned to tell others the good news. Matthew 28, verse 7 and 10. This event brings Psalm 68, 11 to mind. The Lord gives the command, the women who proclaim the good tidings are a great host. And now our reading from the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 28. Whoever trusts in his riches will fall but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. The message is clear. A right relationship with God and doing right is to be sought over riches. The outcomes of these two very different pursuits, the pursuit of riches and the pursuit of righteousness, are very different. Only one leads to true prosperity. Let's pray. Almighty, all-knowing God, you see what is behind the mask. You know our hearts. I pray that you will remove our masks and let us agree with the verdict and the remedy of the cross for our sinful humanity. May we no longer pretend that the Adamic nature can pass off as Christian. We repudiate the works of the flesh and accept the gift of having been crucified with Christ. We are dead to our old nature and inheritance in Adam. We humbly receive the free gift of a new life and our inheritance in Christ. We thank you that we no longer need to hide because we are hid with Christ and alive to you through the Holy Spirit. Help us to walk in the Spirit today and express the fruit of His indwelling towards others. In Jesus' name, Amen.
We are so grateful that we can have this time together and read through God's Word and be edified. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at our website, newlife.org, or you can write an email to podcast at newlife.org. Thank you and God bless you.